From the studios of WHUPLP in Hillsboro, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the wait is up Fight, Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Boat Radio, everyone. My name is Jeff Shaw, and we're going to get to things a little quicker than we normally do because my man Dewan Dirty South Owens is back in the country for 10 hours and uh, from, from Uganda, and I'm super excited to figure out, uh, catch up with Dewan, figure out all the great stuff that he's been up to. The pictures looked outstanding. Excited to talk to him about that. So we're going to have a trimmed-down news segment this morning, but uh, and Dewan's going to join me for one part of that news segment. But first, I want to tell you how to get a hold of the show. You can always email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is DWB Radio, and we're very active on Instagram at Dirty White Belt. We will also see anything you tag that has the hashtag Dirty White Belt or Dirty White Belt Radio. So do let us know if I missed anything in this news segment or stuff that you want to see covered coming up. Speaking of what's coming up, I want to talk about some show notes just briefly. This is episode number 99 of the radio program, and so next week's show is going to be our 100th show. We're very excited for that, and I'm really happy to announce that that 100th show is going to be with legendary jiu-jitsu practitioner Ricardo Daly. Hiva. I interviewed he and his fourth degree black belt, Vicente Jr. at Vicente's school this past week. Drove about 10 hours round trip to get that. And thanks to Dave Porter for the ride on half of that leg. Uh, but it was a dream come true for me to train with Master De La Hiva, And I'm really excited to bring that show to you next week. And so until leading up to that show, we are going to have uh, a, f- a set of 10 blog posts to celebrate our 100th show. And I just want to preview some of that because the, some of it you'll, you'll be interested in. We're going to count down from 10 to 1. With We're going to start with our 10 top shows by listenership. We're going to list great quotes from the show guests, the best pieces of advice we've gotten from show guests, highlight our most viewed videos. It'll provide entry points for folks that are maybe new to the show to see some of the best episodes of the show, some of the best episodes that we've produced, some of the best videos that we've produced, and you know some of the jiu-jitsu knowledge that's passed along through the program. That's going to culminate in our last two blog posts are going to have two big giveaways which you guys can participate in. We're going to give away a sponsorship, and we're going to give away one other thing that I don't want to talk about just yet, but uh, but stay tuned for that a couple of days before our 100th show. And the last blog post before the 100th show is going to be a major announcement, something we're going to get up to before the end of this year. So I'm very excited for, your, uh, for, to, for that, and I want to thank everybody who's been with us on this journey every step of the way. The one other thing I want to get to before I bring in Dewan is August 12th, Robert Drysdale is coming back. Uh, Robert Drysdale, of course, uh, fantastic jiu-jitsu practitioner, successful MMA fighter, uh, and some per, uh, the instructor of Cody Malte's Elevate MMA Academy, is going to be back at Elevate on August 12th. Now, if you were at the first Drysdale seminar when he came out last year, you know exactly how technical he is, exactly at what kind of level of detail he brings to instruction. So you're not going to want to miss that. I'm going to be out there, and I'm going to post the earlier interview we did with Robert Drysdale and hope Hopefully we can get Rob back in the studio this time. So finally, the, the last bit of exciting news that I want to get to before our featured interview with Dewan Dirty South Owens is that we have a local Carolina fighter, 
uh, successful in the UFC last night, Jordan Rinaldi, who uh, won his fight at UFC Fight Night Mexico City by Von Fluchoke. We've had Jordan on the show in the past. He's a very positive guy, really talented guy. It's great to see a local guy be successful. Now, Dewan, uh, besides being one of the highest level MMA fighters in the Carolinas, has also trained with Jordan. He's also maybe a little bit of an expert at, so at the choke that, that Jordan used to finish last night. So we're going to talk. So first of all, we're going to congratulate Jordan for his victory, but I'm going to bring Dewan in right now, and we're going to talk about UFC Fight Night and Jordan Rinaldi's victory there. So welcome back, Dewan. Yeah, happy to be here, man. Thank you. So did you, were you able to watch the fight, or did you just watch the highlight? I watched the highlight, and I, I, I looked for the results immediately, you know, because I was obviously, you know, anytime someone from the Carolinas is fighting, I definitely want to, uh, you know, stay up, stay up on that. So it just... Uh, I was extremely happy to see Jordan get that win. Yeah, Jordan's a terrific guy and was a terrific guest. And it's always also nice to see jiu-jitsu being used for at sure. the highest level. Mm-hmm. And so you and I were talking off the air. This is probably the fastest Von Flew choke submission in UFC history. Yes, I'm, I'm almost positive it's, it's, it's the fastest Von Flew. I know uh, Ovin St. Prue has two, but th- I believe those, those were definitely not in the first round. And uh, obviously, Von Flew has one, and that wasn't as early either. So, so yeah, whether they give him an official record or not, we, you know, we in the Carolinas gonna uh, gonna gonna lay that out for Jordan. Yeah, are you gonna charge Jordan royalties for stealing your move? <laughs> well, I was just telling my wife a, a moment ago. I'm not gonna hate, but you know, he got his in the UFC, so he he kind of trumps that. Can we can we still use yeah. Trump as the word <laughs> Trump? I don't I don't know. <laughs> no, let me stop. We're not gonna we're gonna keep it judicial, y'all. But. Uh, However yeah. tempting it might be to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, he, he takes the title, man. He got it in the big show, man. So, again, congrats on that. That was just ugh, wonderful jujitsu. Yeah, it's beautiful to see the art in its highest form. Just a really great technical submission where once the guy realized what was happening to him, mm-hmm. it was too late. And too late, especially with those gloves on. Even in a, a strictly grappling setting, it's very tough to get that uh, the hand out on there. If, if the person, obviously they're aware that you're going to try to get the hand out, they lock it down, drop the shoulder down. But with that MMA glove, it's almost... It's almost impossible to get that uh, get that hand back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So congratulations to Jordan Ronaldi. We will repost that interview with Jordan uh, so that y'all can check out uh, his perspectives on fighting, on jiu-jitsu in the Carolinas, and why he is proud to be a North Carolinian, which he talks about in great detail. Now, you just heard Dewan Owens' passion for jiu-jitsu technique, perhaps passion for MMA fighting, but another thing he's super passionate about is making a difference in communities uh, both here and abroad. And so after this 30-second musical break uh, or advertising break, if you're listening to us on the podcast, we're going to get with Dewan and talk with him about his recent trip to Uganda. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no time limit submission only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. So, Dewan, I know you've been to, to Africa several times before mm-hmm. to do these types of seminar trips. Where you, yes. You, and, and so I want to ask, the, the photos looked amazing. Was this your biggest trip yet? Uh, I, in, in terms of uh, the turnout, yes. I mean, one of our seminars, we had about 70 people at. You know, uh, so yeah, where's the spread? You know, this is my third time in Uganda. Like I said, I've been to Senegal another time, so this is my my fourth trip in general. This is my third time in Uganda, and each time, um, you know, the, the the reach and the platform just the spreads and it, it builds. So word definitely got out early, and then when uh, when we came through word of mouth and you know some promo online, we we definitely felt like we reached much more people, many more people. 
One thing I noticed from some of the pictures that you were posting and some of the status updates that you were posting is that you were supposed to teach one Nogi Jiu-Jitsu seminar for about two hours. Mm -hmm. And the response from the community was so powerful, mm -hmm. you wound up going a little long. Every single time we do a seminar, they, they, they usually, I try to set about maybe an hour and a half to two hours, but they always wind up going four, you know, or, or so, three and a half, four, because people are just so enthusiastic. And, and one thing we're, we can kind of be spoiled about, we have so much access to, to everything that it's easy to take that for granted. So, like you said, the seminar that you're speaking about, this wasn't a self-defense seminar, this was a jiu-jitsu seminar. So the majority of people at this seminar were, are, are martial arts practitioners. Um, there, there is a decent amount of judo there, but everyone is just anxious to get some uh, some quality jujitsu instruction, and um, you know, unfortunately, people are you know getting little bits and pieces of things online, but that's not uh, an exact flow. It's not concepts. It's just here's a move, you know, not the application of the move against a, a combatant resistant opponent. So yeah, they were extremely enthusiastic about it, and I you know I definitely couldn't be like okay you know over. So we just kept going until the last person was was pretty much like all right. Yeah, I admire you being generous with your time, and it can also that enthusiasm can be infectious, right? Like mm. I'm sure that you get that energy where you're like, man, nobody wants to quit. I don't want to quit either. Right, right. And so I want to drill down into the the jujitsu seminars, the self defense seminars, but also I want our listeners who haven't heard you on the show before to have a background in like in in all the various different activities you get up to because you teach self defense maybe for people that aren't martial arts practitioners, mm -hmm. you teach high level martial arts technique for people at this Taekwondo school for example, some right. of the best TKD practitioners in the country, and you also teach seminars against gender based violence for sure. And we also we also teach MMA too because MMA is everyone knows you know we we've heard it before MMA is a uh, fastest growing sport in the world Dana's favorite line but it's, but it's true but there are a lot of uh, there's a decent kickboxing scene there and a lot of them are making the uh, transition to MMA because um, you know from a financial standpoint it, you know it would be good for them because they can get a little bit more money so I definitely want to uh, you know I make sure I'm showing love to the kickboxers out there and uh, you know teaching some MMA so so you're teaching seminars in like martial arts technique for in terms of MMA in terms of jiu-jitsu no gi jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. just of, no gi uh, you, you all know how I roll <laughs> with the gi I'm not <laughs> I just figured that you didn't post the pictures of you in the gi seminars oh you know what I, I don't know I can't, I can't speak on that <laughs> yeah you know so. that, that, we'll, we'll keep that for the for the next for the big that's one of the right, big announcements confirm or deny <laughs> yeah so uh, so let's let's uh, since we're talking about this no gi seminar at yeah. the taekwondo school um, what did you know about this school before you showed up you mentioned in your post that this is some of the the high-level taekwondo practitioners in uganda mm -hmm. did you what did you know about the school before you went there what were you expecting and how did and how did it turn out compared to your expectations well, well the history of the school is, is, is it's amazing because i've actually trained uh I've, also, I've actually trained and taught at that school before mm. but there's a guy um now this is going to sound like some movie stuff but i'm serious this guy's named master lee and he's a, i don't think it gets much more generic than that when you think of like a you know, a, a master of martial arts. And uh, he's one of the only Koreans in Uganda. His, his, his father, he's a, a much much older guy, but his father was a diplomat, like in the 60s or something. So he, you know, he bought him there when he was young. So Master Lee just, uh, you know, he just started teaching. Well, now he teaches Taekwondo uh, for free. Um, this gym that he has is basically at his house. He has a, you know, a decent-sized compound, and it's, made, it's one of the premier gyms in the area. You know, there's only two gyms in the area, really. But his is an actual gym. They have puzzle mats and things like that. And um, with a extreme language barrier, because they're, English is the national language, but a lot of times the more educated someone is, they speak English, but everyone can pretty much understand it. But they have a local language called Luganda. So Master Lee doesn't speak English or Luganda, but he has built 
he, he's, he's apparently so good at what he does, so good at instruction that he's built uh, he's built up the taekwondo scene there to the point where they've competed internationally and won every uh, competition they've ever went to. The only time they the reason they can't go with the frequency which way they would like is obviously because of you know financial reasons. But the Korean Taekwondo Federation uh, they they donated like maybe a couple years ago some money fronted the tick pay for the tickets and that's how they got to compete on on that on that level. So again, the best. Taekwondo practitioners in the country are at this uh, at this gym. So when you had taught at Master Lee's gym before, how mm-hmm. many people showed up, and how many people showed up this time? Well, there was still a good amount last time. I want to say it, it, we it ranged from uh, maybe twenty to about forty. I think our biggest seminar this time uh, was about somewhere in the seventy. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of split it up at our, our biggest self defense seminar too, like a port and starboard. You know, uh, these people sit on the side and watch. And then um, you know the other people do it, so it was it was it was a huge turnout for the uh, for the self defense seminars. Mm-hmm. Did did they have a lot of grappling experience? Was this a situation where like we've seen some stuff and we want mm-hmm. you to hot fine tune our details, or is it like Dewan build us from the ground up? Well, the first time I went there, there was there were again it's the third time. So the first time I went there, there was some people who had a, you know a little bit of experience grappling, not what I would say would even be like four stripe white belt level, but. You know, as you can imagine, you know, people are, you know, they're, they're in incredible shape. They're motivated. They train all day. Um, there is a little bit of a judo scene there. There's a judo scene there. So, of course, there is a, you know, there's not a lot of judo practitioners there, but the people that train judo are, they're really good. So, they, I think I saw nothing but, like, they have, like, about four black belts there. But these, but they're spread out through Uganda. But when they found out about, you know, the grapplings going on, the seminar, they, they traveled and they came. So yeah, it it wasn't too complicated to to teach because there was a base already there, you know. And I taught uh, one of the jujitsu classes, uh, not a seminar, but a classes the last the last time I visited. There's a woman there um, who works at the U.S. Embassy. Her husband is a Marine, and she's a, a GS. So she's a she's a, a white belt. I don't know where she was trained at in the states, but she runs the jujitsu class there. But that just goes to show that you know if you have something, you can give something. I mean, she you know when she got there initially, um, she felt like oh well you know I'm a white belt. I don't know if I'm this I'm that. But you know what she taught was enough to get them get the scene kind of developed, and she kind of started that that jujitsu scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it, it, it's funny. Like when I when I've been I, I went to Palau when I was a blue belt, mm-hmm. and I was probably the highest ranked jiu-jitsu guy on, mm. on, on the island mm-hmm. and so it was like you know what, what whatever you if you have some something to contribute like you say you're able to like yeah and they want it no one's gonna say like oh well you you can't do this so you know but no they, they were very receptive of it and obviously like i said she was a white belt so after she taught them what she knows after a couple of months now you know the, the tables have turned because these are still super young athletic uh, um, a lot of males. So, um, so yeah, they were they were really receptive to it, and um, I felt like we were building on what we did last time. So I could definitely show much more complicated and you know more uh, chains of submissions instead of just a very basic basic moves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I noticed that you were interviewed on television, mm-hmm. and and I'm wondering, did is the, you know I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm curious. Like, do you feel like? the word is getting out more are you doing more media appearances when you go like compared to this third time you've been than through the first time and is that a contribution is that something that's contributing to to the word getting spread yeah yeah definitely i think uh some things on this side help also because uh, the the jujitsu scene here is just incredibly i don't think there's any jujitsu scene like the scene in in, in in the carolinas well in in the triangle specifically i mean everyone's just incredibly supportive you know we've done campaigns and i mean it's just 
no words. Um, but also on, on, on that side, I've, I've met a lot of people in different, um, you know, they have different different jobs, different access to uh, media and things like that. And I, that definitely helps. So one of my friends, uh, Ruben Robert, he runs a gym over there called University of Pain. And this is the this is an actual gym where, where bodybuilders uh, lift at. And they have the best bodybuilders in, in, um, in the country. And um, he also has some, a, a matted area where some kickboxers train. Ruben is incredibly, incredibly connected. And um, this guy is just extremely selfless. So he, he helped facilitate a lot of the, the media that we did, the, the, the larger scale media. Um, we did two interviews. Well, we did three interviews, but with two different stations. One of the stations, uh, Questy Free Sports, this is a private-owned um, uh, news uh, place. And uh, I think the guy is from South Africa. He's like some... Some millionaire from South Africa, so again, you know, some probably own. A lot of times, it's, it's some serious quality. So uh, it was, it was amazing. And then we also did the national television there, which again, national television ran by the government, but you would still think the the quality would be a little higher. But uh, you know, it was kind of janky. Mm. But uh, but overall, it was it, it was good. So instead of just speaking on the seminars, a lot of what I since I had that platform, what I wanted to focus on was. Um, the self-defense seminars, more so than the MMA, which is what, of course, that's what they wanted to talk about. And with uh, the self-defense seminars, as we said, um, a lot of the self-defense techniques can be used by anyone in any situation, but primarily, my, my focus is combating gender-based violence because I just think it's, one, it's extremely prevalent everywhere in the world, you know, wherever you have a male and female dynamic, you, you're gonna have gender-based violence. You know, we live in a, in a global system of patriarchy. So, um, so yeah, using that platform, I really tried to break down what is consent, um, you know, what is rape culture. Uh, we broke down situational awareness because a lot of times there's some common misconceptions. We talk about situational awareness, people can think you're, you're, you're victim blaming or something like that. So we're really trying to just break that down about how, um, and even the predator psychology, you know, how people want an easy target, they want an easy victim. So how can I make myself less, you know, uh, available for these type of uh, situations? So that was pretty much what I wanted to focus on on the interviews and I, I think it we really got the point across well it really resonated with the audience we got contacted for a lot of interviews but unfortunately I had to had to come back because mama's not having that I was gone for about two weeks so <laughs> our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company Toro BJJ produces the highest quality gis, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at torobjj.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. Well, so, so you were there two weeks. I have a, a bunch of follow-up questions on that. On that. Um, when you go over for, for two weeks at a time, do you have your schedule basically planned out beforehand, or are there is there space where it's like, oh, this gym wants me, or, or this community center wants me to speak? How, so so the that? first time, again, it's my third time, so I'm a little bit more, more savvy, a little bit more savvy with things, but I've got some, some close contacts that I'm really cool with. So uh, Jenny was one of them. Uh, this guy Ruben was another. So we were trying to see. I, I just want to go where I can be the most effective and do the most work. A lot of our self-defense seminars, which I didn't uh, show yet, I'll still be rolling uh, some pictures out because while I was there, I really wanted to focus on the work. I didn't want to spend so much time documenting that I'm not making the most of the time I'm here so people could take advantage of that because the Internet, it, oh, goodness, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. So, uh, you know, all the traveling and things I had to do. But um, we make a tentative schedule where we say, okay, this is locked down, this is locked down, and then we leave a lot of room for in-between areas because when you go there, things come up. Mm. You know, the, the TV uh, 
interviews and the request for the interviews on the the bigger uh, the premier stations those came up. So we want to leave um, you know room for something like that. So it was locking things down and then um, leaving room where you could fill in some holes based on where you feel like you would be most productive. Uh, a lot of our seminars that we did, the self defense seminars, we did them in areas where people don't have the money or the access to transportation to come to the city because Kampala is the, you know, it's the major city in Uganda. Um, even then, there's still some extremely, you know, rough areas as you can imagine, but some of the rural areas, no words, you know, so we had to make sure we're getting out there so people could take advantage of uh, this too, you know. And I've, I've got a, tra- a buddy of mine who also translates too because a lot of the people, like I said, even though it's an English-speaking country as far as the national language, a lot of times people who are a little more educated are the ones who uh, have access to uh, to that uh, instruction. We've talked a little bit about th- some of the growth that you've experienced from your first trip to your third trip, but I'm curious, if you could isolate the biggest difference from your first trip to Uganda to your third trip, like what's the one big change you've noticed or the or, or any, any anything that surprised you? Well, at this point, nothing really surprised me, but what the, the main change is just, uh, you know, everyone just, Everyone's just aware of what's going on. I mean, when I get there, even even when I'm I'm putting things out on social media, like oh I'm going back to Uganda, I get messages every single day. Like I, I'm not exaggerating, maybe twenty thirty messages every day, uh, from from young 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 people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations we worked with. Uh, one Breakdance Project Uganda, which was the initial organization that I got in touch with. So when I came initially, I, this was not about. MMA, self-defense, martial arts. Uh, you know, as, as most people know, I say all the time, I'm still a, a b-boy at heart. Breakdancing was a big part of my life. But when I got there, the martial arts community found out, oh, there's a pro fighter here. So then this project kind of developed organically. So uh, the main difference is just, you know, just the uh, the reception that I get. I mean, everyone there is just incredibly supportive, and they, they really, really roll the red carpet out, you know. But I try to make sure we're, you know, focused on the work. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, one, can you come do this? Can you come do that? And uh, a lot of times when you go somewhere, people want to they want to entertain you. you know? They want to show you that, you know, hey, this is what we have here. But when I'm coming, I'm coming to I want to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know? What percentage of your time uh, is broken down between the martial arts stuff and the Breakdance Project Uganda stuff? Or do you still do much with the Breakdance Project? Yeah, I didn't do as much with the Breakdance Project Uganda this time because, I mean, I, I, I donate to them. I've, I've done... Uh, money that was left over from one of the campaigns, I just I throw it I throw it to them, and they, I mean this organization is in oh man, you know to a lot of people who aren't um, when we think about using art as a tool, that's all it is is it's a tool to me. Everything is a tool, you know everything is a tool. So um, but but it really hip hop to me is one of the most powerful uh, modes of communication is definitely uh, transformational um, with the with the children in Breakdance Project Uganda the way uh, the way the the uh, the blocks that we have are set up the children not only do they dance for free they learn this but they also teach they have uh, basically a spoken word type thing in the end that they call communication where people give thanks for everything that people have done to them so you're helping children's uh, public speaking you're that you get they're getting access to a built-in uh, support group and I, obviously because some people who come there you know from uh, out of country they're coming in there too so they have access to people who are involved in a lot of different things so um, as far as actually being there I'm not an active b-boy any, anymore so me being there it's not like I'm teaching so I go there to support talk to people but a lot of times um, I'm really focused on um, martial arts uh, as a tool and also the media so I can kind of shed whatever influence or even you know monetary value back to other organizations that are based there 
I don't want it to be a situation where it's like, oh, now that this guy's here, um, you know, now we have access to this. I want to put systems in place where people can continue to do uh, things while I'm gone and also build relationships and, uh, you know, put them in contact with people that I trust. So whether it's on behalf of me or not, they can still keep that, uh, you know, reciprocal uh, uh, business for each other. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're wise to consider that because I think I, one of the things that I, that I notice in people that want to make a positive difference in the world is sometimes, yeah, I think a big mistake that particularly a lot of nonprofit organizations do is they assume, well, we're going to teach the people, and 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 like then I go over and right, I see Cyan, right, and like what what you described. I mean, there's a difference, and like you know, not that I'm trying to hate on those people, no, either, no, but, no, but, but but there's a material difference between I am here to teach you, and hey, uh, let's use me as a resource to help build structures that enable yeah. continued reciprocal let, empowerment. Let me, let me tell you, I really, I'm, I'm glad you made, I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to, you know, I, I just want to really, a lot of times, like even this is an interview, so, so I really want to focus on the positive and things, but, but you know, I know the majority of people that listen, you know, this has a widespread, but a lot of our people that we know, you know, in the judicial community, so I'm just going to be real. There's a lot of, this type of work can get real messy. You know, it can get really messy. You know, a lot of it is self-serving, uh, there's a lot of money in it for some people, and I'm not knocking NGOs in general, but you know, like I remember I made a post about it. We talked about it today. A lot of times, uh, these organizations or people, if if you're not trying to oppose whatever system is putting what you're fighting in place, then you're not serious. Mm-hmm. You're not serious. A lot of times, people are benefiting from the same system that they claim they're trying to fight. You know what I mean? They're they're getting paid to just fight it in a very non-confrontational way. You know, and a lot of times when people want to help people, it's like, okay, I will help you if, or I, or I will help you in the way that I want to help you, not in the way that you need help. You know what I mean? Because they don't value, you know, what that person believes or what, what they think is important. And a lot of times we also, uh, for some reason, we feel like everywhere there's problems that they're just not complex. Oh, all, I just got to go there and just, just figure this out. You know, but like, like there's not powerful systems in place and a lot of times if we're honest about it these systems are based off economics they're based off money the same problems that we have uh, in this country or, or most uh, economically developed countries you know it's there's a lot of people making money off this there's a lot of people in power who are going to protect this and um you know that's unfortunate but but when i get there there's a lot of people involved in these organizations and they don't say it but they they, they kind of have like a well, what's your angle type thing and and they say that by saying things like a <laughs> Oh, so what brings you here? You know what I mean? Or what you know, what are you doing? Maybe we should we should link and try to, you know, and you know, maybe it's just the way my mind works, but I don't hear that sometimes. You know, my the when it translates and it comes to my ears, I hear, Oh, you're trying to help these these poor whatever word you want to use too. You know, we keep it we still keep it relatively PG on here. But 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 uh Unfortunately you know, we are bound by FCC regulations. Yeah, yeah, so. a, there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, even even when I put things up on, on Facebook uh, you know, I want to corral people in. I want to say, I always say we. I want people to feel like this is this is us. This is a movement. I want people to live vicariously uh, through through the work that I'm doing, not through me, but through the work that I'm attempting to do. Because all I'm doing is striving, right? But you, I see a lot of people that say things like, uh, "How can I help?" You know, I would I would love to go. I would love to be a part of that. And you know, again, it's like, well, well what can you do? What can you give? Your presence alone doesn't add value to these people's life. And I think sometimes, you know, people don't mean it with malicious intent, but they really feel like the fact that they're there, quote unquote, slumming it up, is adding value to, you know, someone's life. Or like, look, I'm I'm paying for these tickets. My whole fight purse, the kickbox fight went to this, and that's cool. But the, but when they asked they're like us, so you know, you know, who you know, who who's paying for our hotels and pay, you. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Me. Like, it's, it's work. This is actual work. It's, you know, and uh, again, not to beat up on people, but sometimes, you know, it's not that they're bad, but they, they in my opinion, they, they see the... Um, the feedback that you're getting from that, and they're like, okay, I too want to be seen as a person who's into this, mm-hmm. and that's where the value is for them, right? And again, not to say not to beat up on anybody, but you know, you ugh, it gets it's messy. Yeah, messy is exactly the right word, and maybe because this is a jujitsu show, or maybe just because I think jujitsu is an analogy for for everything. Oh yeah, it's like I, I think <laughs> any anybody who thinks like problems are simple anywhere mm-hmm. is I think fooling themselves. Just like in jujitsu, and you try to get past someone's tricky guard, and you're right. like, well, I just need to come harder and faster next yep. time. It's like, nope, not necessarily. And in the same way, like you know, someone that's worked in the nonprofit sector for many years, a lot of times the solution is well, like in Animal Farm when Boxer the horse is like, well, the solution is just to work harder. Right. And it's like, well, maybe. Maybe, uh, you know, or to throw money at it or, or, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Or just, I'll, well, I'll go longer next time. But, but like, complex systems require complex thought. Oh, yeah. And so, so yeah, so it's, oh, yeah. I mean, and, I'm and, sure. all, and all you can do is chip away at it, man. For real, real quick, one, one metaphor, because we're talking about martial arts. I know it's jujitsu, so, but for my, my martial artists, too, you, we always want to, you know, I use a striking analogy. Sometimes when you're sparring with people, or I'm sparring with people, especially if you're, if you're a pro, or a pro fighter or something, and people have, you know, they, you're sparring with someone who you're better than, right? Mm-hmm. So not only do I need to, to to beat them, but I need to beat them softly and not hurt them. And they're, But they're coming hard at me. They're coming reckless at me. They're just trying to hit me. Oh, do one, do one, doesn't feel anything. He's this and that. You know, and, and, and you have to be much better than them to beat them without also going hard. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the easiest thing you can do is just punch them in the stomach one time real hard. Just to let them know, hey, I too can do that. And then, and then it calms down. You know what I mean? Which, which is weird. But sometimes to, to fight back, you have to fight back mm-hmm. you know and I think a lot of times people that want to do the type of work that we do I know Jeff's not going to brag on himself I'm not going to go into it but to everybody who knows you knows you so I'll leave <laughs> it at right. that uh, you you have to we, we want to ask for permission like oh hey can I do this good work are you going to allow me to do this good and we're not aggressive with it we're not we're not ruthless in our righteousness and I think that's an advantage that people who are you know I'll say enemies of humanity have they're not asking any questions they don't ask questions and they're powerful and they're ruthless. And I think sometimes we just we've got this real, I don't know, just soft softness about us when it comes to doing, you know, good work combating that. Mm-hmm. Now I really want to make a ruthless in our righteousness shirt for the podcast. And so <laughs> if do I do, it. yeah, we'll we'll do it to benefit your next trip. Let's do it. So like I want to take a step back because like this is a question that I haven't had a chance to ask you about. And I had Isaac July Jr. on the show. Oh, wonderful dude. Yeah, yeah. Isaac's awesome. I had never had Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I flew Isaac Airlines more than once when he swept <laughs> me over the head. But I've seen it. I knew better. Yeah, no, right. No, you're smarter than me as usual. But but like so it, I, one of the only things I regret about that interview is like I went up to a school trained with him you know interviewed him after the and and we, as we were talking after you know your name came up and he's like oh yeah i went to senegal with dewan and i was like how did i not get mm-hmm. that on mm-hmm. tape and mm-hmm. so i'm wondering like i, I want to talk a little bit about your previous trip to senegal because okay. i would like to know some of your memories of that trip with isaac okay and how senegal how your trip to senegal compares to your trip to uganda i know uh, that there were some overlapping purposes sure. but also some different purposes so. Okay, well, well, one, uh, i got to give a brief history. There's an organization I work with called the Lionheart Initiative, okay? Now, their focus is spreading MMA in Africa. When I go to Africa because I am a mixed martial artist, it would be ridiculous not to also teach MMA and jiu-jitsu, things like that. But my purpose is primarily uh, using anything that I can to fight gender-based violence. And a lot of that is based on, you know, a system of, you know, jujitsu, some things I learned in the Marine Corps, situation awareness, some some sociology and things like that, you know. But 
Lionheart Initiative, after our first trip to uh, Uganda, they reached out. And then I, and I, I, I found like, wow, this is someone else who's doing, you know, something similar. So they were like, well, look, could you come to, you know, Senegal? I was like, you know, I would love to. But, you know, as with most, you know, organizations, they, you know, they didn't have the, the money like that. So I was like, all right, you know, let me let me save up and let's 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 get this thing rolling. You know, and they was like, look, you know, uh, we, we appreciate it. You know, like I said, we can't pay. But what we can do is make sure that we document everything and this and that. And um, so I, I went and then uh, Isaac trains at a school i think it's called stafford bjj mm-hmm. and um you know uh, the guy kelly grissom he was one of the the, the he he was with uh the lionheart MMA initiative from almost its inception mm-hmm. so uh so when 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 we they kind of our trips kind of there were two different projects but they overlapped so i was teaching uh mma there and so and i also told him like hey i'll teach this mma but you got to set up some self-defense stuff because that's what's important to me so at the toward the end of my trip they were just coming out there and we really hit it off kelly kelly grissom is a a black belt in jujitsu i think they're at stafford and um you know i think the team is the koa team or something like that and isaac has his own spot now too oh wonderful wonderful so so we 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 met we all lived together we we trained with a lot of uh, i watched them Train with the uh, the lam wrestlers, which is a traditional uh, wrestling style. Really in, in beautiful Senegal. and impressive stuff. Oh man, man. It, it it was wonderful, man. So those just a wonderful, wonderful group of guys that are part of the uh, Lionheart Initiative that are helping spread jujitsu and MMA. And um, they actually developed, they started the jujitsu scene there. And while I was there, I was fortunate enough to see the very first purple belt be awarded uh, in Senegal ever by uh, by Kelly Grissom. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and the the, the difference in the, in the trips. So one of the main differences is just, uh, you know, the economy. Senegal just has much more infrastructure. It's not America, of course. But, you know, Uganda, oof, you know what I mean? It's it's just extremely different. But as far as the receptiveness and the uh, acceptance of the, the people there, pretty much the same. People are very open, willing to share anything they have, even if it's not much. I mean, it's just, wow. You know what I mean? So some par- some parallels, but ultimately, besides the uh, the infrastructure and the economy, things were, were pretty much the same. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Cageside Fight Company. Based in Durham, North Carolina, Cageside Fight Company offers the best fight gear for Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, and all the other combat sports. With the best prices and the best customer service around, Cageside Fight Company will be able to outfit you for all your martial arts needs. Check them out at 124 Lotter Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at cageside.com. Thanks to Cageside for supporting this featured interview. To follow up on something you said about, you know, everything you do is viewed through the lens of I'm going to use art as a tool to combat gender-based violence, and yep. there may be different modalities in Senegal than sure. there are in for Uganda. Sure. I'm curious, and this is a broad question, but I'm interested in your answer to it. What makes art such a powerful tool for good that transcends cultures? I think art just, oh, it's where it's the tie that binds, you know? We talked about art briefly when, when I know everyone got mad at, uh, what's her name? When she said that MMA wasn't art. Oh, yeah, yeah, Meryl Streep? Was that yeah, Meryl Streep? Yeah, 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 they're calling her dumb, which she's, you know, actually pretty smart. But, <laughs> that, but that was, yeah, do your research. But that was just an ignorant statement. But, but yeah, art, uh, wow, it's the tie that binds, man. You know what I mean? There's nothing... Everyone can see the beauty in art, you know, and and when when you think about art, now you're stepping outside of yourself because the way you move to the world is a little bit different from the way I move to the world. The way I move to the world is different than the way my wife moves to the world. The way my wife moves to the world is different, a little bit different from the way Bessie moves in the world. Even though th- those are still pretty close because we all live in America, we're not, you know, extremely rich and we're not extremely poor. So there's more similarities there than it is from for most 
you know what I mean, uh, different uh, demographic dynamics, but it's still relatively close. Mm -hmm. So, but I think when it comes to art, you step outside of that. You step outside of that. You're not bound to this body. You're not bound to how. You're not bound to whatever socialization process you've been through. You know what I mean? As a as a as a male, as an American, as a woman, as someone who's rich, as someone who's poor, as a, someone who's homosexual or heterosexual. You're not bound by any of that. You're just you're not even human, right? You're just a thing that's that's viewing something or experiencing something. And I think that's the power in um in in art, you know. And 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 people see that with music, you know. People see that with movies. You know, you cannot relate to something. One of my favorite shows when I was a kid was was damn Clarissa Explains It All. You know, <laughs> nobody better ever say that to me. <laughs> Don't repeat that. But but if you think about it, what what in what way was my life even remotely similar to hers? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not 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 even close. But but it was good, and it, and it, it, you know it really it, a lot of things. You know, I I enjoyed the show. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so that which is also art, right? Sure. Uh, television. So um. It works, you know, because you can really put yourself inside someone's uh, someone's shoes, you know. And I think it's a, a great explanation. And my namesake, who I'm not related to, George Bernard Shaw, the Irish playwright, mm. he once said that only by telling the story through art of one person at a particular time and place can you tell the story of all people at all times and places. There right? it is. Because although you might not have been like Clarissa... And like, my, you know, uh, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back came out when I was 13 years old. I right. listened to that record and I was like, wow. Right. This is, yeah. You know, it's I, power. Yeah. Yeah. But Because I think a lot of times when we talk about art, when we talk about, not, not talk about, when we talk about things that art is talking about, we're, we're defending our place and someone else is defending their place. So there's the need to debate. Mm. But if I'm just experiencing this art instead of the, the, the social construct that this art is talking about, now it's okay because it's, cause someone's opinion of this isn't attacking me. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So I think I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah, one of the things that I, I'll, I'll foreshadow the interview with Ricardo De La Hiva, and this is this is this is I think pretty interesting because you know we hear the term in jujitsu creante, and we mm -hmm. you know, and for uh. those of you that aren't, I, I know right, you, you, and we all have our, our particular interpretations of that. I think most people listening to the show will understand what that means, but I'll give a brief primer, which is just like the, the, so a creante, someone that's disloyal, it's somebody right. like who you know you train at one school and you leave that school for right. another school, and people have differing opinions on when that's okay, differing opinions on what loyalty in jujitsu means. Yeah. But where I think this is relevant to our discussion is a lot of people may not know the term creante uh, or derives from a Brazilian soap opera mm. that Carlson Gracie Sr. watched. And one of the characters, creante, was a disloyal, like backstabbing guy. Right. So he would say, well, don't but, be like and, this guy. And this guy, guy was a backstabber. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, so the thing is, I'm not in a position to say how anybody should feel about a term, but it's context. Mm -hmm. You know, it's context. The context of how jiu-jitsu is practiced in, in America, and I'm not just saying just America, sometimes a little bit different. You go to a school, a lot of times you're paying. And if we, let's, 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 let's stop the, uh, can we curse on here? No. Okay. <laughs> we, we could if we were pre-recording, but oh, we're No, live, no, no, we're so. good. Okay, so let's, 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 let's just be honest about this for a second. The majority of people train at a place that's closer to them, mm -hmm. okay? So let's just, let's just be honest about that. Now, if you have a relationship with a certain gym or you like a certain gym more, you're going to travel, you know, a little bit further sometimes, right? But a lot of times, that is the basis of why, and that's the basis of that connection. So, it's like, okay, just because I happen to have moved here because of this job or because of this school, now we're the best or we're this or everyone else is bad. No, this is just where you live and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But but on, on a larger scale, it's the same way when it comes to nationalism, right? It's the same way when it comes to, to pride in almost anything. You like this team more likely because that's where you live and that's where you you were born, or maybe you just like this player. But so and that's cool sometimes. But when when it really gets into 
you know, the us versus them and people look at things in binaries, that could be really dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. So not to go into too much detail, but, you know, a little while ago, a lot of times there's big deals on Facebook where, you know, our jujitsu community is people tight. It's pretty tight. So people argue about things, but there was a situation where someone was looking at something and very like, oh, well, you know, this person is a beta and an alpha. I'm an alpha or this person is a... Uh, you know, is a conservative, and it's, and and, and they, they just reduce people to that box. It's like because they're in that box, nothing that they say is valid. Mm-hmm. Everything that I say is valid. Everything they say is invalid because of that. So I just think that can that can be kind of silly. So back to Creante, not to go you know too far off topic, but a lot of times context, you know, it, it can change everything. You know, there's a, there's a difference than why you get charged. Your your, your criminal charges are different. If you if you murder someone and it's a crime of passion, or if there is uh if you're uh, um, premeditated, exactly, mm-hmm. the person's still dead, yeah. right? But but things are a little bit different. Or if it's manslaughter, you know what I mean? Yeah, you were talking on the you know someone was talking on the phone, and that's incredibly unfortunate, and and they should be punished, and the person is is still gone. But that's not the same as you know premeditated murder, mm-hmm. you know. So context is everything. So uh, that being said, I'll let everyone take the word for what they feel it means to them, but just understand. Context is everything. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 I'm a firm believer in context and nuance. But like where I thought the 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 interesting connection was was that you know you mentioned Clarissa explains it all, which is you know a, a, a sitcom dramedy. Yeah, and you know, and here's Carlson Gracie talking about a Brazilian soap opera and using right. that. And I think stories. You know, this is why I, this is honestly why a big part of why I do the podcast is I think people tell stories to explain their lives for sure and explain how they relate to other people. Yep. And so it's it's always interesting for me to you know to to talk to you as someone who's been a practitioner of many forms of art. You know, from dance to you know the, the martial arts, spoken word. Yeah, art, art. I don't go into a lot, but I used to be s- serious about drawing and mm-hmm. painting. I mean, this was. Oof! At one point in my life, it was extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, one one thing that, like, when I think of, you know, Matt Thornton, when he talks about martial arts, talks about, you know, there's the delivery system, like, mm-hmm. and and taekwondo, jujitsu, you know, kickboxing. These are delivery systems for particular martial arts. I feel like, you know, someone that is of an artistic bent, like yourself, finds multiple delivery systems or multiple vehicles, and mm. that's certainly how how I feel. Like some people, of course, are more given to like visual art. Some people sure. are very visual people. Some people are very verbal people. And uh, but it's it's wonderful to find different ways to sort of express that that common humanity, and uh, you know, and, and that's really what what I think is beautiful in the work that you're doing, you know, both here and in Uganda. And so let's talk a little bit about the, the you know you mentioned that you did some s- seminars for you know martial artists, mm-hmm. folks that are like I want to fight or like I want to I want to you know I'm a taekwondo practitioner or right. this other thing. But you also do self defense focused things. And I'm wondering where the distinction is and what you feel you can achieve through the self-defense seminars and how the audiences of those two seminars differ. Gotcha. Well, yeah, it's, it's extremely different. It's extremely different. Like, I've, I've been to a self-defense seminar. I've only been to one self-defense seminar in the States. I was in Virginia, and this was obviously, as with most self-defense seminars that we see, self-defense seminars that we see, this was kind of jujitsu-based. And, um, you know, it was it was, it was was good. You know, they, they, they put a lot of effort into it, but there were a lot of things... I mean, oof, you know, <laughs> sexual violence, a lot, when I'm talking about it doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? It's, it's not in an a, a, a isolated place that's, that's not attached to, to other social dynamics, right? So f- from my perspective, if, you, if I'm going to teach a self-defense seminar, it is, I won't say it's irresponsible, but it's kind of ridiculous to teach just techniques and not, like, not focus on situational awareness. Sure, like now here, here's a move, on, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know the key is getting away. There is not a sport where you win or you lose. You win by staying alive. 
You know what I mean? I also, I've never, and maybe I just haven't been, you know, like I said, I've only been one, but I've never seen or heard, even online, I do a lot of a lot of research online, um, when people talk about screaming, you know, when, when as they're running, yelling and screaming, like, like for some reason there's some kind of shame involved. And look, this is your human car alarm. You know what I mean? When your, your car alarm goes off, it's your car screaming. Because one, not only do you know something's going on now, but it's also deterrent to this person like, hey, you know, this is kind of this stuff's kind of risky. You know, you may not want to do this. So when we think about seconds, you know, one thing Seth used to talk about, you know, when you think about buying time and buying seconds, seconds, that's, ex that's extremely, if you watch the Olympics and you look at sprinters, you just look at the gap between someone who is, is four seconds behind somebody. That's huge, right? So not just about getting away, but getting close to being closer to being an earshot of someone else who may help. And, you know, again, when we talked about predators, and easy targets, it's also a risk, a risk aversion too, right? It's like, okay, this may be a little bit too risky. You know what I mean? I, let me, you know, let me, let me, let me double back and try another time, unfortunately. You know, so a lot of the techniques that we focus on in self-defense are breaking common grabs, holes that I've seen, you know. Um, obviously also headlock escape, but more importantly, one-handed choke, two-handed choke, body lock from the front, body lock from the back, and uh, and, and simple wrist grapes, wrist Grip breaks, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. and um, and setting boundaries, setting barriers, you know. So now there's a clear-cut line as to what this person's intentions are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's not set because women have been socialized not to overreact, not to, or, or they're valuing a guy's esteem or feelings more than their life because they don't want to seem like they're the ones that's freaking out, which is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But you see that a lot. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, well, why, why didn't you, you know, when people get into that victim-blaming mode, why didn't you say anything here? Why didn't you say anything there? And unfortunately, it's because of that. Oh, I didn't want to come off like this. I didn't want to come off like that. But you know, just, just for my jujitsu people, the 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 later you respond to an attack, now you, you the, the the least amount of options you have. Now you have less options. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So again, you know, armbar. We've got the, you know, the the first stop one. Don't let them cut the angle. Don't let them do this. Okay, now your arms in it. Okay, now this is what you do. You stack it. This that. Now this is the the old darn situation where you're you know you're caught. What is the Hail Mary? So we don't want people to be in the Hail Mary situation. So um, I said this on a few posts, but like I said, I, I feel like I'm getting better at the self-defense seminars. And like I said, it all developed organically. And they are an amalgamation of a bunch of different uh, non-connected things. Mm -hmm. And and I'll keep, I'll keep learning. I'll keep trying to improve this thing. I'll keep trying to learn more about predator psychology. I'll keep trying to learn more about the most effective ways for someone to be receptive to what's going on based off of, uh, you know, because human nature, we, we we do similar things, you know what I mean, as far as, like, um, spotting the target, the way people react, teaching these things, you know. Also, safety tips, you know. These are things that I want to keep learning, keep being better about, and just keep raising that percentage of effectiveness, effectiveness for these uh, techniques that we're showing. Yeah, I think that's a, an extremely valuable perspective. And as a bit of foreshadowing, I did I recorded about a 45-minute show with Jay Quitfield about self-defense. Jake's the man. If I just want to put that out real quick. <laughs> if you don't know, Jake's the man. All right, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, like well said, well said. And like I can hear echoes of his perspective in yours, which is like I think the three of us all – like certainly you two take a very broad definition of self-defense. Like I think a lot of people, and this is I think a mistake, and I, I'm going to get into uh, why I think it's a mistake, and I w I'd like to get your take on it. I think a mistake a lot of people get into is they think self-defense is all about fighting. Oh yeah, and you know self-defense is about protecting yourself. Like you said, if you survive, you win. And so in a lot of ways, like keeping yourself out of a bad situation 
is self-defense. I haven't right? gotten the fight since I've started. Maybe eight years. Yeah, yeah. Four, I, I, I haven't been in a fight since I was 14. I've apologized like, for things that I know I didn't, didn't them dumb do. This dude stepped on my shoe. Oh, hey, my bad, brother. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Uh-huh. exactly. And it takes a level of maturity to uh-huh. do that, which is something that is developed, which I think is a lot more, n- not uh, you know, of a, a more wise time investment right. in a lot of cases. And so here's the thing. like, I, I, And I, I think I understand why this is. We've talked a little bit on the show. And, and you know, when the show with Jake comes out, I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about why, you know, just going to a self-defense seminar and just thinking, okay, I'm good now is a mistake. But, like, I think a lot of it, it falls into the realm of the revenge fantasy. Like, people, mm-hmm. people gravitate to, like, the submission techniques. They're like, well, if someone tries to do something bad to me, boy, I want to. I want to be able to do this. Exactly. I want to choke him out. I want to what, break What's the power life. dynamic shifts? I want to abuse this power. Yeah, exactly. And when, when, from a logical perspective, like for anybody, it's like I always, I always tell the fundamentals kids, 10,000, and they're not kids, but everybody's younger than me, so they're kids. Uh, is that I always tell, tell the fundamental students, like 10,000 things can happen in a fight, 9,999 of them are bad. Like, yep. like the best case scenario yep. is you diffuse the situation, you control the person, you both walk away without being injured. But, but realistically, like, if you, it, you know, the best situation is always to avoid the fight, however much our emotions tell right. us. If someone tries to mug me, if someone, someone tries to harm someone right. I care about, boy, I want to bring the yeah. pain to them. Yeah. And so I think like and, and then you're putting yourself a lot of times back at risk. You know, I've seen situations where the person is, is neutralized or the person's away and they, they see they they like, oh you can also do this. Yeah, but if you go back and try to kick them, let's just say you slip. Mm-hmm. Now that magic that you just did isn't gonna work again because they've already seen it. The element of surprise is gone. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, uh you know, I'll just say a lot of irresponsible things I and I and I don't like I said I'm I'm saying this interview because I'm you know I'm being real with you. These are our people here and but but so this is probably the only time I'm gonna say this. I definitely want to say this online. But there's a lot of irresponsible garbage out there. A lot of garbage. There's a lot of people who in positions that some people may respect that they put out a lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, but because of things that they haven't researched or they do not understand. You know, so we've got nothing just real quick, we've got to stop putting certain people on on mantles as as experts of Things that they may not be experts at, you know, if someone is uh, a black belt in jujitsu, they have black belt in jujitsu. That does not mean they have black belt in life. <laughs> if someone is a, you know, and I, I'm just using jujitsu as an example. So, sure, sure. guys, I'm not talking about anyone that you know, but but just in general, we got to see that. You know, and one one thing real quick that I, I want to say that um, I also do with these seminars, because of whatever elevated status someone put, elevate, yeah. shout out, y'all didn't peep that. <laughs> anyway, well, that's the elevated status that someone, some people put. Fighters on, unfortunately, a lot of times when you tie, people equate fighting with masculinity, the height of masculinity. Look, it's whack, it's weak, but I'm like, okay, if this is what this is, how can I use this as my to my advantage? When I'm talking to these men, um, the, the way they listen to to things that I'm saying is a little bit different. They'll say like, okay, well, you know, if, if this guy says this is what a man does, respect and protect, then hell, shit, I'm a man and I'm going to do that too. So I also think using uh, your influence is important too. Because obviously we're talking about self-defense. You don't tell women how not to be brutalized and harmed. You teach men not to harm women, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but you have to find different ways of saying that. So like I said, we've all been socialized extremely poorly, myself too. So all, all of us, we've all been taught wrong. So in addition to learning things, you're unlearning a lot of toxic garbage. So, um, so yeah, so that's another big uh, focal point of the seminars, educating the men and re-educating the men in a way that's not too teachy or preachy coming from someone who they also respect because sometimes when you are in the uh when you're not a part of the oppressor class when you're saying something it could just be coming off like oh well this person is saying in defense of himself so there's no value there which is incredibly unfortunate but you know that's that's reality Mm -hmm. well let's uh, because you because we have about 10 minutes left and i want to get back to the the uganda trip let's return to that and i'm going to ask you uh, what what for you personally 
What was the most meaningful or best moment of this trip, your third time in the country? Mm, one of the most, uh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. But but when I felt spiritually, I, I was just at just jubilant, just, just joy, was uh, I was teaching a tripod technique. And uh, this young girl just couldn't get it. She couldn't get it against, uh, you know, one of the one of the uh, the men that we had there. And, and I don't believe in, again, this is preference. I don't like women-only self-defense seminars. You know what I mean? I, I just think it can give a false sense of security. I get it. Like, sometimes when people have been in certain situations and they're, they, they've been traumatized, you know, who am I to say, like, no, you need to do this. So that's, you know, different. But just in general, I'm not going to initiate that, ty- that type of seminar because more than likely— it's going to be a, a male on female dynamic, unfortunately. So um, this girl just she just couldn't get this tripod sweep, and then she, you know, she she got it. We got a new partner. Didn't tell him, and and, and the old partner. So like after she uh, did it a couple times, we had new people coming and do. I want to make sure she got this, and she just she just stayed on it, and you know, it's just I don't know the the, the joy that she, she she got up and it was like a squeal. It wasn't even like a a laugh or a smile. She just oh man, it just. It's weird. You know, it went back to what you said when you're talking about people now having power in, in any aspect that they've never had before, how it feels. Like, okay, I, I'm not powerless because I'm innately powerless because I'm just not in a position to do this. But I can do things or learn things to be empowered. And, uh, you know, again, that's something so simple, you know, the tripod sweep. But it was, you know, I don't know. You know, something about that moment where I just really felt like, oh, man, you know, this is really, there's really value in this. It's always a reminder, you know. Do you want to keep going back regularly? And if so, do you have a planned schedule? Uh, I do. I do. So, like I said, going when I went to Senegal, I was like, well, maybe I could just go in different places. But then, and then, but then I remember, like, look, you know what? You can't if you if you do everything and you're everywhere, you can't really put the same type of work in. So, Uganda is just where I put the most work in. Is where I made the most contacts. Or I made the most. Maybe once it gets a little more self sustaining, I've got people that can really teach a lot of these techniques and philosophy to the the level that I would want them to. Maybe I branch out more. But yeah, I'm gonna go back at, at probably once a year. Um, as far as a long term goal, as as far as figuring it out, just whenever. A good chunk of paper come in, and I get the ticket. That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> Real quick, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna do a, a crowdfunding campaign again. The last one was incredibly successful, thanks to my two friends, uh, a lot of friends, but Jeff and Boomer really putting a gun to my head, saying, "Do this campaign. You need to do it and stop trying to." But what happened was, I'll be super quick about. It. I know we've run a long time. I thought that a lot of random people were gonna put five on. One on, two on, ten on. But what happened was a lot of people that love me and care about me, they were dropping some paper on, 50, 20, 30. I think our lowest donation might have been like 20. And I don't want to do that because, you know, a lot of people, I'm not in anybody's pockets, but a lot of people, you know, may not even, I mean, they felt that. They felt that 100. They felt that 50. They felt that. So I don't want to do that. I don't want someone to be bound by their friendship to me to support something. You know what I mean? So. You know, the last time, like I said, we, we got an extra fight that we wasn't planning on getting, and that worked perfectly. So maybe I'll come up with another system, but I don't want to be beholden to any corporate entities. I don't want I don't want none of that. You know, I don't I don't want that. And it, it's also a reminder to me for sacrifice too, because there's a there's a quote, and uh, you got to give me a second. I got to find this thing, man. This woman, man, this is like the quote of the century, and she's she's basically talking about whether I found out. She's basically talking about how. The NGOization of, of revolution has just been turned into a nine to five job with no sacrifice and no no real resistance. I mean, again, I, I butchered it. 
So I, I don't I don't know if this is the quote you're thinking of, but it's funny you you uh, you had me thinking of a quote before from Lilla Watson, who is an Indigenous Australian activist, who said, "If you've come to help me just to, to help me, then you're wasting your time. But if you've come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let's work together." I've heard that quote before. That wasn't the same one, but that's just as powerful. And and, and yeah, so it's like you know, and, and whether it's bound up in yours or not, if you see it and you don't like it, if it really you say if you're impelled to do something, then do something. So I don't want to be. Sometimes I've seen the 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 core. The uh, like how a, a, a organization was birthed, I've seen that change sl- slowly over time. As with you know more action, and I, I don't I don't want to do that. So as long as I'm act like literally working to have to go through this work, it's always going to keep me focused because I'm, I'm seriously sacrificing for it. So mm-hmm. you know. So it, we talked a lot about some of the the complexities, but like I'm sure that there are some people out listening thinking, how can I help Dewan or how can I help do this work? And uh, you can feel free to, to you found oh you you found the quote oh yeah so. I found this quote so she says that this 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 woman's name is uh, Arundhati Roy oh, yes Arundhati Roy so uh, not not surprised that Jeff knows who she is <laughs> she says she says the NGOization of politics threatens to turn resistance into a well mannered reasonable salaried nine to five job with a few perks thrown in here but listen to this part she says real resistance has real consequences and no salary. So again, real resistance has real consequences. So this is, you know, there's danger in resisting dangerous stuff. And I like it. You know, that's the only, that's the only type of danger that I want. You know, and, and like, I, like I said a little bit earlier, you know, we, people that are committed to this type of work, we, 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 we're soft. And we've been socialized into being soft about it. But you've got you've to fight. Anyone who's in a position of power that's oppressing other people, they, they did not get that by asking. They took it. So I'm not saying you need to do that, but if you're going to fight that fight her, you're not going to do it by trying to appeal to their morality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, revolutionary workers, change agents, whatever you want to call yourself, boss up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And just, you know, connect and just get, you know, it's, it's a fight. Mm-hmm. And, and no one who's who's benefiting from oppressing someone is going to give that up quick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just stop being so soft. That's all. That's all I want to say. Ruthless righteousness. Jeff and I, you know, we like I said, we gonna come up with that. That's true. I haven't heard it before, so hopefully we coined it. It's a Duano Owens sure original. That's a Duano Owens original. We're gonna we're gonna make a sure to that. But like, so so let's say there are people out here that are inspired that do want to get involved, that do want to help, that either want to help with your project or otherwise get involved. How can people support uh, this type of work or, or your work specifically in Uganda? You mentioned you're not gonna do a Kickstarter again, but if people wanna wanna help you out, how can they do that? Uh, when I, whenever I post these things on Facebook, just just share it. I, I know a lot of people are always on me because they're like, I can't share it because you didn't make it public. So I'll, I'll try to do a better job. But just share it, get the word out. But most, more, most, the most important thing you can do, because like I said, I'm not gonna, you know, do that. the most important thing you can do is if you see a, a void, you see there's some problems that really resonates with you. Just try to combat it. Think about ways to do it. Connect with people. Find people who've already done it because no one said there, there, there's nothing laid out. There's there's no there's no rule book. I don't I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I just you know I, I'm I said look this is what I want to do and I'm doing it and now that I'm doing it it gets a little bit easier and I'm understanding something a little bit better. But there's no grand master plan. I just know I'm just trying to use the privilege that I have to help you know people who aren't as privileged. I'm trying to use the whatever skills I've developed because of being extremely fortunate. That's another thing we got to understand. You know, I'm, I was I just happened to be born in a place 
where I can have access to some things. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm fortunate to be born an able-bodied person. I'm fortunate to, you know, if I'm trying to fight a, a system of patriarchy, to be born a male to combat that. Because unfortunately, if I was a woman combating that, you know, my the response would be a little bit different, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to use that to my advantage. So if you see something that bothers you, try to do just do something about it in any way that you can. That's that's the best thing someone can do to support me. Help 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 in the fight. Once again, Dewan's dropping words to live by. Dewan, thanks for coming in. Ten ten hours. Uh, to you, you said you, 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 this is hour eleven back in the country, and you're spending good, it with man. us. So. We, we're rolling. Like I said, evil ain't taking a day off. Let me <laughs> let me stop. But uh, and neither does Dewan Owens. Hey, we can't. We can't. So oh oh. Also, much love and respect. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me here. Everybody knows I always say it. Jeff is the best human I know. <laughs> he, Jeff's goodness is the barometer by which I measure people's goodness. I'm serious. But also, uh, big shout out to K-Side MMA, Toro BJJ. Uh, check them out for all your MMA gear and apparel, K-Side.com. Shout out to Dirty White Belt Radio. Uh, shout out to Elevate MMA and MMA Institute. And just everybody in the local scene that's just striving and grinding. So, again, I appreciate everyone. Thank you. And thank you for those kind words, Dewan, and for spending that time with us. Uh, we'll, we will share all the photos that uh, Dewan's shared so far and all the other stuff that he posts. Really a pleasure to have him on the show. We got about 30 seconds left. So in that time, I just want to let you know, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash dirty white belt and contribute for as little as a dollar a month to help us support the show. I want to thank our Patreon supporters, Betty Broadhurst, Chris Holmes, Cody Malte, and Carl Krebs for contributing at the level to get the podcast shout out. Uh, This is Dirty White Belt Radio and WHUP-FM. My name is Jeff Shaw. It is always my pleasure. We will be back at you next Sunday with our 100th show, which is something that you should not miss. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.